Good morning. Good morning. Come on, come on. Woo! All right. If you're ready to go 10 rounds with the word, let's get busy. Come on. Amen, amen. We got, there must be a sale at Starbucks. We got 27 people getting coffee. We'll wait. We're good, we're good. Amen. This was an extra one that I found. Um, some old saint said this. Only at the shrine where all are welcome will God sing loud enough to be heard. Wow. Only at the shrine where, God, where all are welcome will God sing loud enough to be heard. All right. Let's get on. Let's get busy. Here's the, here's the actual quote that I want you to kind of reflect on as we go through the word this morning. Our faith can't be dependent on what God does or doesn't do in our lives. It must remain on what he's already done. Let's, 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 let's get open this morning. Listen, there, there are things in my life that I've asked God to do that he hasn't done. Probably not what you hear most pastors talking about on a Sunday. But there's, there's, and I'm not talking about selfish things. I'm not talking about like, you know, God, you know, the lotto would be nice. You know, I don't play, but still, be nice if I found a ticket. It would be nice if somebody, you know. I'm not talking about selfish things. I'm talking about plenty of times um, I've, I've, I've asked God to do things for other people. I've asked God to, to, to heal, to, to comfort, to meet, to, to, you know, to grab. And, and things, things that, that I thought would be really good for God to do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When you pray something that you think, man, God, if you did this, this would be really good for you. This will be good for your testimony. This will be good. People would think highly of you if you did this. And those kind of things are what I'm talking about. You know, when I pray those things and, and God doesn't do it. And I would say, God, if you did this, you know, may, may this person be changed by it. And, and they would give you glory. And that testimony would be good for you. And yet God doesn't listen to me. And a lot of times what God tells me in the silence is... I don't need you to do marketing for me. I don't need you to defend me. And in those times, I'm reminded how small I am. How I can only see what's before me. I can only see the little circle around me. I I don't see the full scenario. Amen? I, I don't really know that if God did the things that I, the way that I asked him to do it, that it would actually work out. I just think that maybe if you did this, this would be good for you and good for that person. And, and maybe somewhere in there I'd get blessed too. But I, I, I only think that I know because I don't actually know the full story. And yet, if I'm honest with you this morning... When God doesn't do what I ask him to do, what, what I think would be the right thing for him to do, sometimes I get disappointed. Sometimes I get discouraged. Sometimes I even get doubtful. I wonder if any of you have ever been there in your walk with God. Let me let you in on a little secret. If you haven't yet, you will. Proverbs says, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 19 says, many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. Proverbs will cut you. Proverbs says 14, Proverbs 14 says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. If you're just joining us, we're, we, 
We ended the year in the Old Testament in the book of Judges. And as we were talking about God's people and the way they were acting and, and what was going on with them, I felt pressed to keep following them, sort of uh, walking from here in the Old Testament as we we're approaching Easter Sunday to get to there. And so, I, you know, the, the, the series that we're in right now is from here to there. So thank you for coming. And, and the prayer and the purpose of this series is this, that I, my, my, my prayer is that where, wherever you find yourself, wherever in your life that you're at, at whatever point you're at in your life right now, whatever state of maturity or belief or even disbelief, wherever you find yourself, that you'll be able to walk with us from here to there. Amen? From, from wherever you are towards the cross. And so I figured that this would be a good theological discipleship trip for the church and us and me to, to kind of walk through. And, and, and so that's, that's where we're at. And so each week I'm looking through the chronological history and the order of books to see what God's people do next. And the more I've tried to move forward towards there, the more I've had to go backwards because I want you to understand here. Amen? Sometimes we have to go back. How many of you understand? Sometimes we have to go back to understand why we're here before we can get there. Right? You, you still with me? I'm going to have to talk fast today because I, I want to get through a lot. Okay, I'm excited. There's 10 rounds. It's, it's important that we get the full story. So many times we only get one side of the story. How many know what I'm talking about? Right? I, like I, we talk to my wife and I, we talk to couples a lot. And sometimes we're talking to, you know, the husband will tell us, man, my wife, she just picked up pastor. She crazy. She just picked up and left the house. I don't know what's wrong with her. And, and so you, man, when you only hear that side of the story, you think, man, what could have happened that she... Like, why is she tripping, right? And you only get high. But when you, when you get them both in the room together and you hear the whole story, then you know why she had to get up and break out because she was going to kill you. She, I mean, you, you understand that when you get the full story, the full story sheds light and brings understanding. You, you get what I'm talking about? Another example, you, this could be maybe your kids, maybe you experienced this or not. Um, why are you failing? Oh, that teacher hates me. Oh, look, that's like general, everybody. That teacher hates me. That te- that's why I fail. That's why I don't do my homework. That's why I can't pass a test. That teacher hates me. Now, if you're a smart parent, you go to the, and you get the rest of the story. And you make a little appointment, maybe, or you make a phone call. And then you talk to the teacher, and you find out that, yeah, it's true. That teacher doesn't like your kid, but you understand why. The full story brings wisdom and revelation. Amen? See, I I talk to people all the time and I read a lot of what people have to say. Let me let you in on a little bit of my secret, my process. I get about four or five newsletters sent to my email. You know, I know we get a lot of junk email and it's horrible, but I get about four or five newsletters sent to my email every week that I read and only about one of them is Christian. Go ahead, you can judge. You say, why is pastor reading all this stuff from worldly writers, from people that are, are, have an agenda, from people that are anti-God, from people that, are, uh, that are hate God, from people that are opposed to God? And, and let me tell you why I do it. Because as a pastor, I want to know what non-believers are thinking. I, I care. I want to know what they're feeling. Listen, nine times out of ten, there's an article in one of those newsletters that I get every week about faith, about God about the church, about church people. And, and from, from an outsider, the, these are people that have had a bad experience with church. They've gotten a bad picture. They've gotten part of the story. And so I always read it because most of the time I want to find out what part of the story they didn't get. And, and, and please hear me. These are hard to read sometimes and I do not, listen to me clearly, I do not encourage you to do this. This is hard. This is hard to read. Sometimes it, it, it wears you down. It's exhausting. It trips you up. But this is my process. See, because when, when I step behind the pulpit, I don't want to answer questions that nobody's asking. You, you, you get me? I don't want to be a Christian. I'm not going to wear a, a, a short skirt and pom-poms and be a Christian cheerleader and just give you the same top 10 verses that everybody wants to hear and just switch them around all week, every week. And let you leave here like, whoa, great. And, and the sad thing is, part, most of the church won't even notice if I just 
took the top 10 verses that everybody wants to hear and just switch them around. And every week, it's a different message, but it's the same thing. Bumper sticker verse, quote, personal story, uh, uh, plaque, living room plaque, inspirational quote. And switch them around. And, and people wouldn't know. See, I, I, I want you to get the full story because the full story brings wisdom and it brings revelation. The full story sheds light and it brings understanding. And while it's not my job to, or even in my power to make anyone believe, but as a church, our responsibility is to make sure there's always bread in the house. To make sure that people get the full story. Somebody say amen. So, so listen, here's my, that was the whole disclaimer. I haven't even started yet. But um, as we go through this, what, what I want you to understand is that sometimes some, a, lot of, a lot of this is not going to be preaching. It's not going to be, oh, what? Come on. It, it has to be a lot of teaching, right? So, and and there ha- we have to have a balance of that. And so I'm just asking you to kind of bear with me, okay? So as you probably noticed by now, the faster I try to move forward towards there, I have to go back to understand the here. So last week we talked about the sacrifice and, and we explained the sacrifice so that you can understand the gospel better, right? And we had to go all the way back to the very beginning to Genesis just to get an understanding of the system of sacrifice and offering just to see how right from the very beginning in the garden, the first couple, when they fell, they tried to cover themselves. They tried to cover themselves. So we see right from the beginning, man's desire is to do things his own way and to do what's right in his own eyes. And that leads us into all kinds of trouble. Say amen. By Genesis 6, man's increasing disobedience and violence caused God to say, I'm wiping out the world. I'm giving you a, a reset By engineering a fresh start that would give the human race another opportunity at obedience. You you guys know it as as Noah's Ark, right? And so so there was no coming back from the evil that was in people's hearts. And God said, that's it. And he tells Noah to build an ark. And all the time Noah was building an ark, it doesn't tell us exactly how long it took him. He wasn't a professional shipbuilder. It took anywhere from 70 to 100 years for him to build this ark. All those years, people could have repented from the violence and from the evil and from the stuff that was continually in them. The violence was actually the big thing the word talks about. There was also demonic interaction with women which polluted the human seed. But that's a whole other message we don't have time to get into. So, so God says, by Genesis 6.3, he says, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is flesh, and his day shall be numbered 120 years. It doesn't mean God wasn't saying that man will only live to 120 years. Here's what he means by that. God is saying his patience in this time, he's given it a countdown of 120 years before the flood. You know what that tells us? Even in God's anger, there's a grace period. Come on, some of you should be like... Even in his wrath, there's grace. Now, when people read the story of the flood, people, are, are, you know, atheists love this story. They go out, oh, yeah, what a good God. He wipes out the earth, kills women and children, kills everybody. He said, oh, I made a mistake. Let me just wipe them all out. But, but, but you're not getting the whole story. See, when people talk about the story of the flood, nobody tells the story of the 120. Here's really, when you look at it, imagine if I sentenced you and I gave you 120 years to come clean. This debt has to get paid. 120 years, you have to come clean. You know, at 50, 60, you said, man, I got 40, 50 years to live left. Who cares? And so you let that run out. What you've done now is you've put that on your children. So who's wicked, God or you? This is, this is what's going on. That's the story of Noah. And, 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 and you know, so, so the picture of an angry, unjust, vengeful father that, that, that we've gotten from half stories, that's, that's, that's the picture of a father. This is the picture of a father who wants better for us. This is the picture of a father who wants us to be good fathers. Funny, funny story. My, my, my father, 
growing up, whenever he wouldn't just, you know, whenever I got in trouble and my mother had to call him or whatever, and, you know, he had to come home and I got to face the punishment, my father would never roll up on me and slap me and beat me down. My father always came to me and he showed me the belt. Mira, mira. Sometimes he take it off. Mira, eso es lo que quiere. Eso es lo que quiere. He showed me the belt. He showed it to me. He showed me the belt for 20 years. Not once did it hit me. He was trying to show me that my actions, my, my disobedience, my disrespect deserve punishment, but my father loved me too much to hit me. Now, in case you're happy, don't, my mother thought my father had a little too much grace. <laughs> so I still got it. <laughs> Trust me. I'm just talking about my dad. You know, and my kids know because my, my, even growing up, you're playing with them here when I was showing the belt. Mira, no quiere, la coge, es lo que quiere. But play, never hit nobody. See, God gives them 120 years before the flood. And, and, and then even the ark, I want you to kind of see this, this imagery. Even the ark gives us a picture of what's to come. The ark was a picture of the gospel. The ark was a shelter. It was a safe place from the storm. Jesus is our shelter, our safe place from the storm. This ark, it was covered. He told them, cover it in pitch in, with a tar. The word, the Hebrew word for tar there means covering. That means in God's covering. It's a picture of the atonement. In God's covering, you're safe. The, 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 um, the ark had many rooms, it says. Jesus said, in my father's house are many rooms. I go and prepare a place for you. And, and if it wasn't so, I, I, I would tell you. Amen? The ark, as big as the ark was, it only had one door. Jesus said, I am the door. And there no other, anyone that comes in any other way is a thief and a robber. There is no other way to the Father but through me. There was only one door. And then even it says, when they went in, it said, God shut the door. See, man doesn't shut the door. God shut the door. It was a, a picture of the gospel. The story of Noah is a vivid reminder that, like it or not, there's another judgment coming. The New Testament says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. And the call to enter in is, is saying, you can come. You can be safe. Listen, it's, it's God. It's the Father showing you the belt. He's saying, listen, not because I want to punish you, not because he wants, you, he wants me to be well. He wants me to live well, to have life. Sometimes the Father shows us the belt. Come on. And we see the consequences of our disobedience and not out of anger or not because he takes any joy in bringing punishment. And, and listen, if you had to grow up like that, I'm sorry. That's not the heart of the Heavenly Father. You got a bad picture. But thankfully, we can be here and God can heal that and God can reset us from that. Somebody say amen. amen. So, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to follow God's people, like I wanted from the beginning, we're going to follow them from Genesis to Judges. Are you ready? Okay, that was really encouraging. Thanks. <laughs> I'm going to need more vitamins with you guys. From Genesis to Judges. So look, that was Genesis. Genesis is this. Creation is established. It's blessed by God. It's compromised by man's sin. And it's covered by God's grace. Wow. And so God's response to set in, is to set in motion a plan to rescue and to bless the whole world through the family of Abraham. Through God's people Israel. Okay? Exodus. Exodus. After the time of Joseph, if you remember that whole story, right, with the coat, the, coat, the brothers, the king, the pharaoh, all that. After the time of Joseph, where God rescued his people from famine and brought them into Egypt, then, and, and there they had food, and they grew, and they became a strong nation. So much that, that Pharaoh became afraid of God's people because there were too many of them, and he started to enslave them. And so the purpose of Exodus is to celebrate God's gracious deliverance of, from slavery to freedom. And into a covenant relationship and fellowship with him. So, but the problem was Pharaoh wasn't going to let God's people go just because he said so. Or just because they wanted to. So God had to use Moses to send all these plagues to, to display the power of God as well as the powerlessness of their gods. I, I did a whole series on that and that's amazing. Every plague that was directed, every plague that God sent was directed at one of their Egyptian gods. 
So, I mean, so, so God dealt with every, it's like, oh, the, the Nile is your God? Bam, I'll take the Nile away and I'll show you that I'll turn the Nile to blood. Oh, frogs, you got a, a God that has a frog shape? Bam, I'll show you who created frogs and who controls frogs. And, and so every plague was an attack on one of the Egyptian gods, right? And so the last plague that got Pharaoh to finally release God's people, it came with a warning that the angel of the Lord is going to sweep through the land taking every firstborn in the land of Egypt from Pharaoh's son down to the firstborn of every cattle. And so even after Moses warned them, they didn't listen. And in that instance, God told the people of Israel to come together as families. And, and each family is going to have a lamb. And you're going to slay that lamb. And if you're a small family, get together with another family so that, so that none of it goes to waste. It's a beautiful picture. And, and so that night, you guys are going gonna, gonna to sacrifice that lamb. You're going to eat it. You're gonna, you know, and you're going to take that blood, and you're going to put it on the doorposts of your home. And, and so that way, when it's, it's a picture of the gospel. And that way, when, when the angel of death would come, he would pass over. He would see the blood on the doorposts, and he would pass over. Come on, that's, that's good. It's a picture of Christ. It's the gospel. It, it, when the wrath and judgment of God comes on us, he sees the blood on the lamppost on the, of our heart and, 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 and the lamb of God that was slain for our forgiveness and he passes over his wrath and his judgment passes over us. You see, in the Old Testament, there's the gospel. I'm showing you every book in the Old Testament, there's the gospel. Leviticus. Leviticus, he gave his people the sacrificial system of atonement that we talked about last week. And the central theme of Leviticus is holiness. Because the people had none. And, and he wants them to be holy. God calls his people to be holy. He still calls his people to be holy. Come on. Thank you. See, so the book intends to show how Israel was to fulfill its covenant responsibility to, to, to um, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, the Levites, the, the kingdom that was set, the, the tribe that was set to run all of this stuff. But then there was a lot of instruction for the Levites who were the priests and the ones responsible. But then there's a here to their story there too because in the New Testament we see how we as believers become this kingdom of priests. You still with me? 1 Peter 2, 4, it says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God, precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. He says, you, us, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received. See, when we accepted Christ, we were accepted into the family of priests. We became the tribe of priests, and now as a holy nation, we're called to be holy and to live holy. Book of Numbers. The book of Numbers covers the tragic 40 years of God's people in the wilderness after they are uh, taken out of Egypt. After Moses leads them out of Egypt, they, they're going to head to the promised land. That's the, that's the promise. I have a, a land for you that's rich, that has milk, is overflowing with milk and honey. I have everything that you want in this place, and my promise is to your people that I'm going to deliver you to there. And so as they leave, the book of Numbers covers the tragic 40 years of God's people in the wilderness. Why? Because of their grumbling and their disobedience, and they're left to wander for 40 years. The theme of the book of Numbers is obedience, because the people had none. They continued to grumble and they continue to complain and and it's it's Exodus and Numbers that comes to mind whenever I I I think I'm I, of telling God what to do and what would be best and and how how if you know when 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 I pray and I say God you know if if you did this you know that would be an amazing testimony and then when you look at His people through these books and we see over and over again that people see incredible miracles and and are part of these amazing stories but. They blow it again and again. Imagine this. Imagine watching God release all those plagues over your enemies and you living with them and it doesn't touch you. Just, just put yourself in that place for a minute. God releases these plagues over your enemies. They're around you and it doesn't touch you. 
It doesn't affect your house. It doesn't affect your kids. It doesn't affect your cattle. And your, it affects everybody. They're all sick. They all have uh, lice and all those different plagues and frogs. And, and, and it doesn't affect you. Imagine for a moment, right, just kind of being, they don't touch you. Imagine being able to say to your enemies, we're leaving. Give us all your gold and silver and clothing for our trip, please. And watching them do it. The word says that God told them, God, Moses told them, tell the people when you're leaving, when we're ready to go, tell all those people that were your captives, tell them, listen, give me all your gold. It's not like, a, like he wasn't mugging them, it, but, but sort of kind of was. <laughs> he said, like, yo, by the way, we're leaving. You can't stop us. Give me all your gold and your silver and some extra clothing too for my kids and Granby and Muelita and I need extra chancletas and I need, give me all your stuff. And they do it. Imagine... Imagine now that God creates a pillar of cloud that goes before you all the time, leading you. And then at night, that pillar of cloud turns into a pillar of fire to provide light for you. And it always goes before you, no matter where you go. And it would tell you when to stop. When that cloud stops, you stop. And it would tell you when to go. When that cloud moves, you move. But you were able to move by day and by night because God provide. come on. Just imagine for a moment living like this. Imagine being those people um, that God would lead, that everywhere you look, no matter how you felt today, every, you could look out and say, oh, there's the cloud. God's with me. Imagine being in the dark and, and just opening your eyes. You had a bad dream and you open your eyes shook and you look out. Oh, there's the pillar of fire. God's still here. Leading you always. Imagine this. Imagine after they leave, Pharaoh changed, God hardens his heart again, and Pharaoh changes his mind, and he comes after them with all of his armies and, and his best chariots. And you're on foot. You, you got animals. You got Welita. You got, you got um, Papi that, you know, he can hardly walk. And you, you got like, like dry chancletas. You can't move quick is what I'm trying to say. And the enemy's coming after you with chariots, you know, rolling steel wheel chariots. And they're coming after you to destroy you. And, and you're sweating and you're thinking, oh my God, what, you know, what's going to happen? And they're coming at you and, and, and you start sweating and complaining. And Moses says to them, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that God will bring to you today. Watch this. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. That's a word for somebody today. That's a word for somebody. The enemies you see today, you'll never see again. You need only be still. Oh, wow. Then, then imagine you're in this situation and that cloud that was always before you, because now the word identifies it, that's the angel of the Lord. That's not just a pillar of cloud. That's the angel of the Lord that's been there the whole time. The, so the angel of the Lord that was always went before you now, he shows up behind you and he becomes light for you and darkness for your enemy. Just put yourself in this situation for a minute. And then, and then, and now imagine you watch as, as Pastor Gary, you know, because he's the Jewish one here. And so I watch as Pastor Gary takes his walking stick and he goes like this to the waters because you're trapped. Remember, there's the Red Sea behind you and there's chariots coming up in front of you and you can't, you're not quick enough to go anywhere. You're, just, you're trapped. And so imagine Pastor Gary turns around, he tells a couple jokes and then he turns around and he goes... <laughs> And a wind blows, and the wind parts the sea, and it forms two walls of aquarium and dry ground. And now you walk in between in a living aquarium, like you could like grab a fish from the wall. You know, you just—I mean, just picture this. This sounds—it's not a children's story. This is amazing. And so he separates, and you walk on dry ground through the Red Sea, and and when all of your people are across. When you're fully on the other side, you see the enemy starts to come in and you're like, oh, wait a minute. This is not good. <laughs> they're coming too. They're able to walk in the dry ground too. And they're coming. And, 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 and God waits because, listen, grace expires sometimes. And so God, God, tells, God tells Gary, all right, Gary, let's go. Bring it down. Close the curtain. End this thing. And so, so Moses brings it down and every one of your enemies is destroyed. 
I love a quote that says, sometimes God brings us into deep waters because he knows your enemies can't swim. (laughs) Now listen, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, if I was there and I saw that, I would never doubt God again in my whole life. How many of you feel that way? Come on. I never, you kidding me? I never, God don't have to talk to me again. He don't have to, I'll never doubt him again. If I walk through an aquarium that was just held together supernaturally by your spirit, if, if I, if I was in a place where God would lead me by day and a fire by night, if I was being led by God like that, if I was, if, if, listen, when they were hungry, God sent down food and they complained. When they were thirsty, God, God hit a rock and water came out and they would, and, and they, and they drunk. If I live like that, I would never, ever doubt God again. How many of you would, would be like, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. You're all liars. <laughs> you're, li- you're full of it, all of you. We, including me. We're full of it. How many times as a kid, your, your, your kid told you for Christmas, if you buy me this, this just give me this. <laughs> Come on, how many... Just the Xbox, just the PlayStation. I don't, you don't have to buy me nothing for any other Christmas. How many of you said that? No, doesn't matter. No more birthdays, no more. It doesn't matter. Just buy me this. Please, Dad, please, Mom. Just this one. Day. You don't have to buy me nothing for five years. See, our faith can't be dependent on what God does or doesn't do in our lives. It must remain on what he's already done. And he's already made a way for us. Three days later, they were complaining. Three days. Not three years. Three days. They were complaining. They said, oh, God, why'd you bring us out here so we could die of dehydration? (laughs) I'd kill them all myself. You you know what I'm saying? Like, really? Do you remember three? You remember Wednesday, what we went through, bro? It was Wednesday. What did like Friday, Saturday, you're complaining? He's already made a way for us. He's already provided a covering for us. He's already given us the Spirit of God to lead by day and by and a light by dark. And He already goes before us and behind us and His hand of blessing is on our life. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, Moses has been leading these people now through the wilderness, through all this time, going through all this. And, and here in Deuteronomy, he gives, he gives his final words of, of wisdom and warning to the younger generation. See, the older generation have complained and grumbled so much that God said, you're going to wander, you're not going to see the promised land. And so now he talks to the, to the younger generation. And he's giving them his parting wisdom, his parting words. And, and he reviews with them everything that happened in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Everything that happened from Egypt to Mount Sinai. You think this is a long message? That was a long message. And, and he explains everything that happens in the wilderness. He goes over the laws of the covenant. <coughs> and he urges them, love God, be faithful. He's telling the youth, man, this is a a huge youth group, and he's just telling the youth, man, be strong, be faithful, be good to God, God will be good to you, stay in him, walk with him, trust him, let him lead you. Listen, learn from our example, we blew it, we're not going to go into the promised land, you're going to go in, do the right thing. Moses is, is talking to them, and he appoints Joshua, who, who's going to lead them into the promised land, and then he dies along with the older generation who was too stubborn and disobedient to enter. Church, I don't want to be that older generation. Let me just side note, right? I don't want to be that older generation. I, I want to be a viejo that goes in with the young guys. Amen? I, I don't want to be the older generation that's too stubborn, too stuck in our ways, and too, too set and wants to, doesn't want to change, doesn't want to follow God, doesn't want to trust God, doesn't want to believe. I, I want to go with the young people. And so he, he dies, and that older generation dies. Book of Joshua. Joshua shows us how, how God has been faithful to the covenant of Abraham way back in the beginning by bringing them into this land. So see, those people never got to see the promise that God made to them, but their children's children's children did. Listen, your children's children will either pay or reap the blessing. Can you, can you kind of feel the weight of that? 
The generation that's, that's under you, that generation will either pay or reap the blessing because of you. Man, I don't know about you, but that's a heavy weight. That's a heavy burden. But that's something that you can make right very easily by just saying, God, I, I surrender to you. God, I surrender to you. I'll, I'll pay the debt so that my kids can be blessed. Come on. Uh, listen, you, you might not even have kids. You might be like, I ain't never having no kids. I've seen enough kids running around the church. I don't want none of them. I don't have no kids. But, but, but you understand the place that you play. You're still a dad. You're still a father. You're still a mother. You're still, you understand, you're still an over, you're still an elder. You're still older than the gen- and have a responsibility. You, you can say, I'm going to pay the debt so that they can be well. So that they can be right. I'm going to at least give them a fighting chance. Somebody say amen. amen. So the book of Joshua shows us that God has been faithful to the covenant that he made to Abraham by bringing them into the land. And even through all of the disobedience and the rebellion of the fathers before them, he keeps his promise to this next generation. And, and the book of Joshua recounts the battles and the barriers that, that the Israelites experience and they're entering the promised land. It shows us that God is faithful and while not all the territories conquered yet, the Israelites have safely settled into the land promised to Abraham. And that's amazing. And here we are back at the book of Judges. Worship team, you guys could come up. We've gone from Genesis to Judges. Here we are back at the book of Judges, and we've, we've talked about Judges, if you haven't been around for that, even though his people go dark again, God's people just go dark again, they, they, after Joshua dies, Joshua led them, and they were doing amazing things, but they were making compromises here and there, compromising here and there, until it just, until they just went dark again, and they started, they did the worst things that they could possibly do. They start turning to false gods of their enemies and they worship them. And then those same gods that God already showed him how they were not gods at all. He already showed them how they're defeated and powerless. They start to, to, to worship those gods. And it wasn't, it wasn't uncommon for a Christian, an Israelite. They weren't Christians back then. They were, they were Israelites, God's people. It wasn't uncommon for them to have, to have a, a, you know, to worship God and to worship Baal and to worship Asherah and to worship all the other gods of the Canaanites and of these people. It's a lot like us today. Come to church on Sunday, but, you know, we, we light candles to saints and we wear saints on our necklaces or we pray the rosary or we... we, we all this, other, all this other stuff that's not biblical. Kind of the same thing. You know, we can look at them and judge, but we're, we kind of fall into that, a lot of us today. And it might not look the same, but it's the same to God. You know, we're, we're here in, in, in church and we're quoting scripture, but then on Tuesday we're saying, hey, you know, my sign today, you know, my Zodiac says. You going to listen to God or you going to listen to a man? A fish. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, what we learned in the book of Judges is that every time they go dark, every time they get lost, every time they find themselves enslaved, and God, God showed them the belt. A lot of times in Judges, God showed them the belt. He said, look, Toma, this is what you want? Toma. And he would release them into the enemy, uh, and they would be in slavery by, enslaved by them. And they would live horrible. And then they would call out to God. And then God would hear them. And then God would raise up a judge. And then God would honor them. And God would bring them into a place of freedom, into a place of safety. And they would enjoy a season of peace with God. Until they messed up again. And they turned again and they go dark again. And, and the book of Judges was that, that cycle that, that, that continues to happen. And, and it was 150, 200 years of history. The cycle repeats again and again. And yet every time they call out, God hears, God raises the judge to save them and point them to the king that's coming. Church, there's a king that's coming. <laughs> you can get excited over there. That's good. There's a king that's coming. They, they hadn't seen him yet in this time, but there was a king that was coming. And, and we're going to go from here to there, amen? See, church, I, 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 I went to the beginning because I didn't want to have to keep doing little pieces. And so I wanted to, all right, we, we, wiped, we went from Genesis to Judges. I wanted you to see the full story, amen? 
I wanted wanted you to see God from the beginning. I wanted you to see God's intention from the beginning. Amen? Would you stand with me a moment? I want to kind of summarize it this way. This is just something I like to do. I love words. I like... creation. From the beginning you established it. You said let there be light and it was right. Opened my eyes gave me sight. Pulled the helpmate from my side and it was alright as you intended it. Evil came forth and confused it. He said we could be like gods and we believed it. With one bite our eyes were opened and we lost our sight. Naked and uncovered, now you see the real me. Cover it up with a fig tree, religion, sacrifice. You cover me, I'm forgiven. Fig tree, religion, sacrifice. You cover me, I'm forgiven. Every book after that repeats the same theme, tells the same story. Man competing with God for his glory. Surrender. Can you not see how long must he contend? God is not your enemy, he's your friend. Where can I go to hide from your love? No, you, you, you're before me and behind me with your hand just above. No matter where I turn my face, there's your grace. You're reckless. You put on flesh to have us rejected. You set the price for our redemption and then paid it gave us your righteousness and told us to wear it your mercy even at our worst in the days of Noah you let us start over father forgive me create a pure heart in me teach me to number my days to walk in your ways to live holy even when you're silent teach me to wait on your glory from here to there make me a part of your story I'll follow Let's worship, church. Come on. Amen. 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 Jesus. Yes, God. You are worthy, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. your way. Hallelujah. 
this song. But in, in, in just on reflecting on the word that Pastor gave and seeing how God has made provision for every step and every stage of man, man's walk in every generation. And, 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 then, and then knowing that that he is soon to return and knowing that we're living in this dispensation of grace just this time of grace and what will you do in this time that you have right now because that time has been a long time but our personal time is real short you know you may have a good 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, maybe. But some of us don't come to the realization of who God is and why we need him and why he loves us until later on in our lives. Because in our youth, we just want to YOLO, right? But see, you can have the best for here and for last. Your best time can be right now. Your best life can be right now. And that best life, I'm not saying it doesn't come with ups and downs. And yeah, you're going to have to work out your salvation. But thank God that's already been paid for. But you're going to have to trust God in some seasons it's going to be real tough but you're going to have to trust God that he knows what he's doing and I'm sensing there's some people here that have been let down by man and they don't know how to trust anybody right now but God is saying that he's been watching you all watching over you all this time He's shown you more than enough and maybe you didn't realize it and he's delivered you from more than enough and maybe you didn't see it but he's saying right now today that would you trust him would you step into this life this whole life can you trust him to pick the pieces back and put them back together a lot of us have been broken but God is the, the most awesome fixer man, because he did it for me and at 45 today I'm living my best life man so I want to offer you that if you're here I want to offer you I can't, I can't offer it because it's, it's already been offered to you. It's always, it's always been available. So we can't really offer you something that's always been available. But if you're here and you heard the words and it's moved your heart and from the beginning of the service you've sent something different, just a shift in your life and, 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 and a weight coming off, I want you to pray with me today. And I want you to just say, God, I need you. I've lived under your grace for so long, but yet have made a decision. But today, Lord, I choose you. I make that decision today to serve you. I give you my heart. I give you all of me not just part but all of me every aspect oh God my dreams Lord my hopes and I surrender even my fears and ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit and you seal me that everyone would know that I'm yours and I belong to you and I pray as I move forward Lord in this new life, Lord, that you would teach me how to love you 
and how to love others. If you said that prayer, welcome to this family. Now we can finish worshiping Jesus Christ here enthroned. So just say, Jesus. Say, Jesus Christ, thou King enthroned. All the praise is yours forevermore. Hallelujah.